We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the week seven edition of the Pro Football Focus Fantasy Show here on Roto-Grinders. I am Britt Devine, joined as always uh, by my man, Ian Harditz. Uh, Ian, this has been a fun week six, uh, you know, first six weeks of NFL uh, is what I'm trying to say here. We've, we've sort of clawed back. We always do the sports betting stuff. We've clawed our way back to being positive on the year and that. I think we've had some generally good DFS takes. I've been sort of keeping track of, you know, our GPP plays and our cash stuff. Uh, I got, I'm going to give us both a pat on the back here, man. Uh, I, I think we, 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 we sort of figured this DFS thing out this year. And uh, Odo Beckham already let us down on Thursday night, so we can't let him ruin our yeah. Sunday. Uh, <laughs> all, all good news. But yeah, Britt, always good to be back here. And yeah, you know, every week going through, uh, you know, just redoing our notes and stuff. I do think we have been getting hot here on the DFS side of things. You still happen to hold a pretty uh, decent lead in the whole betting side. But you know what? That's why there are 18 weeks and we don't stop the count after six. Yeah, why can't we have like 24 weeks of football? That would, that would be great. But to too many players, I don't think the, their players union rep would allow them to do that. At least not for like another 25 years. Eventually, there'll be like 20 weeks. Of if we have it like full seven on seven, you're no longer allowed to even breathe on the opposition. <laughs> that's that's going to be a tough job for us. Now, man. That's getting too close to NBA for, uh, for, for my uh, um, preference. Yeah, it's a uh, hat tip to the producers and the people behind the scenes at Roto-Grinders. Once NBA starts, they are ultra busy. Um, so uh, we switched this week uh, to accommodate you. Um, maybe next week, I think we'll be back at our 3 p.m. time. But uh, Ian, anyway, let's get into this. Uh, here at Roto-Grinders, well, we get new subscribers to Premium. We get new people to YouTube, people to the podcast feed every week. So let's go over, basically, tell the people what you do at your free article over at PFF. We call it the Mismatch Manifesto. You can find it every week for free over at Pro Football Focus. We like to go a little bit more in-depth here on the show for the people. So if there are new ones, uh, new subscribers, or anyone like that, I'll let them know what it is, and let's jump right into it, dude. Yeah, I found uh, just really starting off my DFS process with this article has been very helpful because basically I try to give a snapshot of the biggest Best and worst mismatches on the run game, pass game, pressure, pace, as we'll get into, a bunch of different categories around the league. And by doing this, we always talk about mismatches and, you know, any football conversation, but it's always, oh, this team's the third best rushing offense versus the 30th ranked rushing defense. I basically combine these metrics to give us a one-way street to kind of figure out these mismatches. So put them in some nice conditionally formatted grids. And again, I think it gives you a nice overview. And then Britain myself can go through it and really pull out the truly actionable 
tangible information. So kicking things off with explosive play rate, I really think this is most effective looking at the passing side of things. And to no real surprise, Matthew Stafford and Kyler Murray really popping out as the top two quarterbacks this week. With Kyler, I think I'm a little more concerned about the volume than I am with Stafford. But yeah, I think against these defenses, even if they are only throwing the ball 30 times and the game gets out of stretch like those like those two touchdown spreads kind of indicate, I still think they should have enough efficiency to make the most out of it. Guys that could be in a little bit more trouble, though, Taylor Heineke, Jalen Hurts, and Davis Mills. I think we'll talk more about Hurts and Cash, Britt, because I get it. The guy seemingly isn't capable. He's a machine that can only score 24, 25 fantasy points per week. But at some point, I do wonder if, you know, the clock's going to... Uh, it's getting awfully me. dicey in that fourth quarter for Jalen Hurts to get That's there. That's what but. I'm saying, man. <laughs> so for Hurts, you know, we'll talk about that in Cash. I think everyone's pretty much off Heineke at this point, which I would agree with. Still... Terry McLaurin, I think, is someone that could be interesting in GPPs when you look at the overall targets and the fact that, yes, Green Bay, pretty good pass defense when they're healthy. But when you take away their starting cornerbacks, Jair Alexander and Kevin King, that might be where we still have some opportunity. Yeah, if you are happening to watch this live on all these charts, red is bad for, you know, I have highlighted under Washington here, right? He mentioned Taylor Heineke, red's bad. Blue, to help out the colorblind people, uh, Ian was told green, a little tougher to see, so we made a blue Blue is good on all of these charts here. And if you Blue are watching guys, this, red for blood, you know, it's that easy. Yeah. And if you are uh, watching this live on YouTube, uh, please give us a, a like and subscribe over there to not get, just get notifications for this one. But we post so much content on YouTube. Uh, we would appreciate it if you check it out. And if you do like it, click that like button. Uh, all right, let's scroll down just a little bit more here. Uh, a couple other things we always like to talk about our pace. There's one game that's really standing out this week, Ian, and that's the uh, Raiders and Philadelphia. And this, uh, I guess let's talk about Derek Carr because he's popping in some projection models this week, mainly, I think, due to the pace because that's what feeds into a lot of the projections around the industry. So talk about the pace and maybe let's split off to Derek Carr against this Eagles defense, which really sort of stops what the Raiders have been doing on offense so far this year. I will give the Eagles a little bit of credit on defense. I don't think they're like this terrible unit by anything. And we actually saw them, you know, put up some nice measures and limiting big plays. The problem is, you know, they've been horrendous. They've given up 41, 42, and 28 points against Dak Prescott, Patrick Mahomes, and Tom Brady, which, hey, you can't really blame them too much for that. Every other game, they have been good holding their opponents to 20 points or less so I think with the Eagles defense not horrific but hey if we can increase that play volume for Derek Carr and company it could work out just fine with Carr like he's almost got that Ryan Tannehill to him where every time he has like even a mediocre game everyone just pretends like he's never had any semblance of success in recent years you know we saw it on Thursday night it's like oh Odell Beckham needs to retire like he needs to quit it's like well you know he got missed with three touchdowns two weeks ago when no one was watching the game but that's a story for another day but with Derek Carr this year Week one, QB nine. Week two, QB eight. QB 11 falls off and he turns in QB 24 and QB 31 performances. But last week, back to QB 12 ter territory. So I think if Jalen Hurts and the Eagles can keep up on the scoreboard, we're going to see Carr finally have that sort of high-end volume and a winnable enough matchup to really put up some points. So Henry Ruggs, Darren Waller, even Josh Jacobs at some point, I do think there are a lot of options in this 
Raiders passing game. On the other side of things, we luckily got the slog of the week out of the way already. Broncos and Cleveland were popping as the single slowest matchup. The other one, though, is the Bengals against the Ravens. And this one is interesting because I do like the Bengals side of things as well. But what's been our problem all year, man? Volume. So if this does end up being a situation where the Ravens can get a lead, grind it out, just run the ball with whoever they happen to have at running back, that's a concern because I think, and we'll get to this in the passing part, the Bengals might be built to take away what the Ravens do best, and that is blitz the hell out of opposing quarterbacks. The question is, can the Bengals defense hold up well enough to let Burrow and company cook? All right, scrolling down a little bit more, we like to talk about pressure rate. Uh, can a clean pocket for a quarterback's good? Uh, getting a lot of people in your face, not so good. Maybe we uh, some offenses we want to avoid or maybe some defenses we want to use. What looks good on the pressure chart this week? Yeah, definitely wasn't feeling good about Teddy, and we kind of saw that come to fruition last night. Other guys that just shouldn't be having all day to throw, um, Jared Goff, Zach Wilson, and Tua. Don't think anyone was too high on these guys. It is rather insulting for DraftKings to give Jared Goff and the Rams defense the exact same 5K salary, but uh, you know, unless you're really trying to go down that Goff wormhole i just don't really would not advise that to even my uh, worst enemy this week but looking at the guys that should have all day taylor heineke who again i don't think we need to go on the heineke train but terry mclaurin up there since uh week two which is when heineke took over terry mclaurin is one of only four wide receivers with at least 50 targets i know he has the hamstring thing but he went out there last week he played his usual allotment of snaps he had eight targets and just from the eye test man he didn't look like he was that banged up and i think ron rivera himself even came out last weekend and basically said like okay like he wasn't feeling well so we didn't want to push our number one starter into playing when he wasn't feeling well on friday it wasn't this like horrific like hamstring pull so would kind of calm yourselves on that and if we continue to see mclaurin going under the radar at the top of the pricing scale i do think he's a great tournament play also also seeing burrow popping a little bit here in terms of not getting pressure because burrow this year and i just mentioned this has been crushing it against the blitz pff single highest graded quarterback against the blitz this year ravens happen to blitz the third most out of just about anyone so if burrow and get that ball out quick, which he's been, again, doing much better this year, I think, than he was as a rookie. That might just be the sort of kryptonite that the Ravens defense isn't able to handle. I know they look great against Justin Herbert and company last week, but I'm old enough to remember Britt two weeks ago when Carson Wentz threw for over 400 yards on these guys as well. So likely somewhere in the middle, and I think Burrow, Chase, and company could have themselves some days. And then finally, Tom Brady, Matthew Stafford, Kyler Murray, all set up for success as well. And maybe, just maybe, man, now that we got news, it's always good recording these uh, when we do a little bit earlier today, but we always get some of the inactives already. And with Antonio Brown being a rather surprising uh, ruled out already at this point, Tom Brady, Chris Cobb, and Mike Evans got this prolific passing game a little bit more condensed than we're used to. All right, let's go to yards before contact. There's a lot of good running back plays to choose from this week. Um, after all the starters get hurt, what we're, what we're seeing is every backup and even third string running back that comes in, Ian, goes absolutely bonkers this year because we can actually project them for more touches than the starter was getting because this that's just the end of the line over there. And they all seem to be proving the running backs don't matter. I, I think there is a difference between Derrick Henry and Dearness Johnson. Like call me crazy. I think Derrick Henry's probably a better running back, but it doesn't really seem to matter. Is there anything in our favor here in terms of yards before contact that we can really read into? It is ridiculous though. Like Dearness Johnson now gets the every down roll that we've always wanted Kareem Hunt and Chubb to have. We got Daryl Williams. Daryl Williams has, 10 targets over the past two weeks, or I think it's nine, and like Clyde Edwards-Lair has 10 all season. Like Daryl Williams is finally getting the pass down work that seemingly they drafted Clyde in the first round to do, but 
whatever happened a few years ago Raiders Josh Jacobs gets hurt at the end of the year oh DeAndre Washington you're now going to play in every down role so some of the ones for this week though Titans Derrick Henry obviously popping and it's just like this Chiefs defense cannot come close to slowing down opposing run games dead last in EPA per run play and if you just look at one of these cool stats we have behind the scenes at PFF average depth of tackle we got the Chargers the Texans the two worst and then the Chiefs right there at number 30 so truly they are not tackling running backs until they are on average 4.93 yards downfield that is a problem when you're facing the big dog um, at home so both those running backs I think Daryl Williams may be a good way to go against the grain because he does have that pass down upside and then also we got the Philadelphia Eagles popping a bit here they're, they're tempting us, man. Miles Sanders sitting there at 5,100. I know he's been a popular potential cash game ad. I think I'm still too concerned about the overall volume. I understand, you know, the snap rates have been going up. His command of the backfield has been going up. But sometimes I think we need to be careful about just putting someone like Miles Sanders and saying, oh, look, he has the elite rates of these other elite running backs. And we got to also pay attention to, well, what is his pie compared to the other running backs? Because 90% of the Eagles backfield carries is not the same as 90% of the Titans backfield carries. So keep that in mind. So when we see like he had all but two of the Eagles backfield carries last week, yeah, he had nine carries. Like we can just talk in the volume sense of the word, not always use the rates when we are dealing with an offense that is going to continue to feature Jalen Hurts over either of these running backs. So for me, at least, even in the good matchup, I know Sanders has that, you know, home run ability. So I could be a 150, 60 yard play away from making me look stupid. I'm still too concerned. I think about the overall volume facing Sanders to really be biting that bullet in tournaments. Yeah, they are tempting us 5,100 on DraftKings. Like you said, with some uptick in the snaps, um, targets, Smallwood sort of uh, on the outs of the offense, but Game we really ball. need... Yeah, we, oh Small, yeah, but that's a throwback. So that, was, that was, uh, that was last year on there, but we're starting to, to see it. Um, I still think he's more of a tournament play than a cash game. Okay. I would agree. There's just too many, uh, good six K ish plus running backs this week to mess around with a Miles Sanders, I believe in, in cash. Uh, let's go to combined yards per drop back. It's, you know, like Matthew Stafford, everything, everything we're going on all these charts, Ian, <laughs> is coming up roses for Matthew Stafford here. He's got Cooper Cup getting 45 targets a game, it seems like. Robert Woods will sort of do his thing every now and then. Daryl Henderson, as long as he stays out of the blue tent, looks like he's close to being in in every touch, every down running back right now. You got some revenge. You know Stafford's going to want to stick it to Detroit here a little bit here for sort of derailing his career for the past five years. I mean, how does this guy not have – the only thing I'm worried about is it's 297 yards and five touchdowns on 25 pass attempts. <laughs> <laughs> That's about how it's going. So, and everyone seems to be aware of it. So I think the only true kind of tournament contrarian opportunity here, how about Tyler Higby who continues to play in every snap role he gets, you know, usually between four to six targets per game. We just haven't seen him really have that multi-touchdown performance. So I'm not sure if the Lions or the defense to really take away Cup and Woods enough to, uh, you know, get Higby uh, into the end zone a couple of times. With that said, again, if you want to find the by far best matchup of the week and the only real player in it that's not getting a ton of ownership projection, I do think it's Higby. And hey, 
I've seen worse darts than uh, Deshaun Jackson or Van Jefferson this week. But I think the other games that aren't so obvious, uh, again, Bengals once again popping up big. And how about the Packers, man? Like Aaron mm-hmm. Rodgers has low-key been horrendous throwing deep this year. They actually have the single lowest catchable ball rate on passes thrown at least 20 yards downfield. I think there's a chance Marquez Valdez-Scantling is back this week. We got to see there. When these guys are coming back off the pup, they aren't required to be on the practice report. So it's kind of tough to fully see when they're going to be back. But that would certainly help the downfield ability. And either way, man, we can just stack Aaron Rodgers with Devontae Adams and bring it right back with Terry McLaurin. It was what we wanted to do a couple of weeks ago, and it worked out well with uh, – Rodgers, uh, Adams, and then Jamar Chase bringing it back on the Bengals side. We just didn't really see that Rodgers blow-up performance that we were kind of hoping for. So this week, home in Lambeau against the league's single worst scoring defense in the Washington football team. I really don't think Washington is quite as bad on defense as they've shown this year. When you look at their passing touchdown rate, they've allowed the single highest in the league. We'd expect that to come down a little bit. And they've actually been uh, contesting targets a lot more uh, than give than give or take like five or six other defenses in the league. So I think, you know, beyond just what we've been seeing, they are been playing a little bit better. And maybe they would be able to correct that against a lesser quarterback. But again, going into Green Bay and facing Aaron Rodgers, I think this could be the week we see the usual 300 plus four touchdown game Rodgers getting back to dominating so Bengals and Packers don't be sleeping on them here in tournaments all right we'll close it out with the EPA per play uh, I am I'm definitely going against your you on this one because I like the Chiefs when we get to the sports betting one yeah. here but but it looks like the the Titans uh, are over them so far here what's standing out in terms of maybe some DFS plays or maybe something we can use in the sports betting one well, this is where it's like, I like to add some context to it. Cause I'm with you. I do like the chiefs as well in this spot, but again, I do think it's at least a red flag of sorts to more seriously consider it when we see the, favored offense in terms of their matchup going up against the defense actually be the underdog in the game but this one's so close there's only a 0.03 difference between uh the two offenses so i wouldn't really be feeling great going to bank with that but more than anything i think it just reflects what a lot of these spreads are telling us the biggest advantages of the week are the rams the buccaneers and the cardinals oh hey they have they're the only three teams <laughs> with the double digit spread so you know i've had a lot of just my friends that are just more casual uh, football observers just really hating on uh this slate as a whole and i can see it when you start looking at charts like this that do show just the massive mismatches really week in and week out so I think uh, Falcons over Miami that's one that kind of makes sense where okay we actually saw Miami open as a one point favorite and that swung back to Atlanta at like minus two and a half at this point I think I still might be going in with Atlanta under a field goal happy to have got them you know a plus one earlier uh, in this week but yeah that'd be kind of my general tip here is just it's a nice way to find some uh, undercover teams when you can identify that underdog that still has the offensive advantage yeah i was lucky enough i go and go to the book monday morning i can't do it from my phone in new york hopefully by the super bowl Um, i got the broncos plus four and a half on monday morning because i figured Baker mayfield wasn't playing and i even thought odell was going to sit out i got baker mayfield out so i just snuck in there Uh, if i would have bet that at game time wouldn't have been so great but uh lucky enough to get that one um so uh ian tell the people where they can find this over on pro football focus and also uh, hat tip to you, uh, any of you guys, if you're looking for another podcast, right? We have a million here on Roto Grinders. I encourage you to check out all the stuff on Pro Football Focus, especially the ones uh, Ian does with Dwayne McFarland. Um, there's a, there's recaps, and then later in the week, uh, that's on like Monday 
And then he does uh, basically uh, an upcoming slate on Wednesdays. They are great podcasts if you're looking for some uh, additional information. Appreciate that, sir. Yeah, I send everything on Twitter at iHeartIt. You can find all the articles, pff.com, PFF Fantasy Football Podcast on Sunday night, Monday morning, whenever you listen. We break down every single Sunday afternoon game. Tuesday, we uh, preview the upcoming waiver wire schedule. Wednesday, it's a game-by-game breakdown of the upcoming week. Thursday, I have a guest on more weeks than not. Friday DFS preview and then Friday night or Saturday morning, we go through all the injuries and really I have to update everything we talked about all week because that's how the injury cycle tends well, to Last work. week, Friday was bad. I don't think it's going to be oh that bad God. today. That was so. ridiculous. <laughs> man. So, yeah, I'm cautiously optimistic. Knock on wood there. <laughs> all right. Um, before we get into some of our sports betting picks, uh, let me tell you guys about what we're doing here at Roto-Grinders if you wanted to check out our premium product here. So first off, why haven't you ever checked out Roto-Grinders premium for NFL between ownership and all the projections? It's great. If you've never tried it out before, we're offering a five-day free trial. You do have to put in, you know, your information and what, but it is five days for free. It will auto-renew, but it is cancelable. If you wanted to check it out for free, please do that, uh, especially if you're trying to figure out ownership or projections or articles or anything like that. Um, you do have the ability to view that for five days here at Roto-Grinders. Uh, all right, let's jump into some sports bets. Uh, I, I, I have climbed back to even on the year, but you throw in a couple of the parlays that aren't listed in my overall record. I think I'm uh, reasonably uh, in the green here. So uh, a couple I'm on this week is, I, I guess I don't have a favorite. So uh, the one giant favorite I have is the Rams. It's like, I, I don't like taking these giant numbers in, but the Rams are definitely going to win by like two touchdowns. And if it's just like another point and a half, I got to lay on them. It's 15 and a half right now. At least it was right before them against the lions. I just think McVay and Stafford, this is going to be like some of those games where Tom Brady is pissed off and just wants to pour on points at the end of the game. I think you might see something like this with the Rams this week. So I'm okay laying the 15 and a half. If the Bengals can basically blank the Lions and the, the Lions are just absolutely horrific on offense until the fourth quarter when DeAndre Swift scores 15 fantasy points. That's about all they really have going for them. There's nothing on offense. There's nothing on defense. So I really don't like these humongous favorites, but I think the Rams, if I was going to play one of them this week, do fit the criteria for me to take that. Uh, I mentioned I like the Chiefs at minus five. Uh, I'm so, so on Ian, the, the new thing I'm doing is you go to the sports book on. So I'm going to go after the show. And I'm going to pl- I'm going to, I'm going to pick next week. Right. So I got, I got the chiefs at minus two and a half last week. Right. So like you nice. can, there, there's some for next week. If you're, you're looking at the look ahead lines on DraftKings that look really juicy to me, I'll make sure I can get a couple of those. Um, but now it's at five. I think it should be a touchdown. The chiefs, they're just, it's so much flukiness on turnovers from Patrick Mahomes, which is part of his game. That's just really letting the chiefs opponents stay in the games. And eventually some of those, won't be interceptions or fumbles. They'll be touchdowns or they'll be incomplete or even better yet touchdowns and Tyree kill or Travis Kelsey on, on broken down plays and things like that. I know both, both defenses are absolutely horrendous. I still worry a little bit about the Titans offense. Tannehill hasn't been great. This passing game has gotten no continuity this year. He's had no time to actually play with Julio Jones and AJ Brown in a game. I think we might get that this week. But I just think the Chiefs are probably the best team still in football, even with their defensive inefficiencies, that five points, um, even on the road, is probably uh, a little too uh, too low for them. And then uh, I always like I, I try to find these live dogs. I like the Eagles plus two and a half. I think you can probably take them to win two. It was three 
Uh, I think earlier in the day or even yesterday, um, I, I would like to get that if you can find it, search for it. But I still think a two and a half is fine because we have seen outside, you know, you mentioned at the top against um, Patrick Mahomes and Dak Prescott and Tom Brady, the Eagles stink. Against Matt Ryan and Jimmy Garoppolo, the Eagles defense was pretty good in those games. And uh, I, I don't know, where does Derek, maybe Derek Carr is somewhere in the middle there, but they, they really stopped those big plays this year that that's what the Raiders have really been thriving on on offense. So I'm hoping some of that comes through. I'm hoping maybe they try to run the ball with Miles Sanders because that does look reasonably exploitable based on some of the things we talked about here. I think they're a live dog on the road um, at two and a half. So that's probably uh, my, my live dog pick of the week. Um, and if you just want to bet them on the money line, I think that's also a fine play. And then like, if you're like the, the part, like I think adding the Rams, the Bucks, um, I think the Packers are basically a lock to win too, right? Like I, I, the Packers were my fourth team. I was going to put in here. I think they're at seven and a half. Um, but I chose to keep that one out here. Just add those on on like parlays for some free equity, I think is fine too. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't, maybe they can't cover that 13, 14, 17 point spread, whatever they're working with. But in terms of money line, that would be absolutely shocking. I am with you on the Chiefs. I don't have them as one of my big three bets, but it's coming down to like Patrick Mahomes versus Derrick Henry. And as great as Derrick Henry is, <laughs> like, come on, it's Patrick Mahomes here. So Tannehill, he's still ninth in PFF passing grade, but he's only 22nd yard per attempt and with both of his top two receivers not being at 100 like i'm just not sure that a titans offense that isn't operating at its absolute best level can take down the chiefs so i like that pick i like the Bengals plus six and a half uh, against the ravens i just think that they're not separated yeah i understand baltimore gets the three point home push but the additional three and a half points i don't really think is warranted uh, in this one talked about while i think hey baltimore i think they're the better team i wouldn't take the Bengals money line by any stretch but we saw them really play great against Justin Herbert and company, not so much against the Colts. I think the actual Ravens defense is probably somewhere in the middle of that. And we have Burrow, again, just arguably the single best quarterback this year against the Blitz. I think he can help take away what the Ravens defense really does best. I think the Falcons uh, minus two and a half. Again, under a field goal, I'm still willing to go here. Maybe we wrote off Matt Ryan a little bit early, man. He really has been playing a lot better in week uh, four and five before he ended up having to hit his bye. And he was doing it without you know the benefit of Calvin Ridley without uh Cal Pitts really playing at a super high level until we saw in that England game so overall I mean first three weeks Matt Ryan's PFF passing grade couldn't even crack 70 week four 89.8 week five 88.7 led the offense to 57 combined points in that one so we'll see what the injuries say but if this Miami Dolphins defense man can't even perform that well period I don't think they're going to all of a sudden fix things if Byron Jones and Xavier Howard remain sidelined as well so I like the Falcons there and then I just think the Buccaneers minus 13 man like I similar reasons where you have the Rams Tom Brady's had to look at that stupid meme of him holding up four fingers for the last <laughs> 12 months I think that uh, he'll want to go out there and just really get up on the scoreboard and look i think tampa bay can put up 28 plus against any defense in the league i still need to see some sign that justin fields can do anything in this spot i know when you look at the tampa bay pass defense numbers to give up a lot of yards and all this that's because teams just decide not to run on them i mean even removing garbage time from the equation tampa bay easily faces the highest pass play rate against in the league you know we can't assume rational coaching particularly not out of chicago and even if justin fields finally 
is given the chance to start passing the ball a lot. He has been the single worst quarterback in football under pressure this year. Part of that is him holding the ball too long. Part of that's the offensive line not being great. And part of that is the wide receivers not getting open enough. All problems that should go hand in hand with them not being able to really keep up on the scoreboard with one of PFF's top five defenses and getting after the pressure, pressure getting after the passer. So not in on Justin Fields being able to keep up. Give me Tampa Bay minus 13. I think Matt Ryan, the Falcons team are objectively better than what we've seen from Miami. And coming back from London, man, like that sucks. You couldn't have give the guys a bye after that last week. And then I think the Bengals at plus six and a half. I think that line should be a little bit closer to three or four. All right. Yeah, I can agree with you on the Tampa Bay. I had them. I was debating between which of the big favorites I wanted to throw in there. Yeah. I think they're I think they're all reasonable. I think the Cardinals might be a little high, but who who really I mean, they can just completely blow off the Texans. But uh, I felt most comfortable in the Rams and the Buccaneers. Uh, all right. Before we get into some position chatter, I need to tell you guys about Jock Market. Stop throwing your money away. It's time to check out Jock Market. The app where daily fantasy becomes a stock exchange. Buy and sell shares of players in real time for real money. Download it now. Use promo code GRINDERS for a 100% deposit match up to $50. And get this, if you don't turn a profit this week in your first market, Jock Market will cover your losses. You can download that uh, Jock Market in the app or Play Stores or Jock MKT. So that's Jock Market, just a little bit of an abbreviation and use code grinders for a 100% deposit match up to $50. I have, this is tested uh, by me personally. Uh, I do enjoy it. It's a fun little game. Um, you, you get your first $100. I advise you to try to be a little bit risky with it because it's a free bet, sort of like you should always do if you get free bets at the sports book. Don't take the, the Cardinals money line with your free bet, right? You try to make a parlay or you try to take something a little bit riskier when you get these free things um, and try to run that up. That's what I would suggest you do with your first market guarantee on jock market. Uh, all right, let's get into some DFS plays this week, Ian. And la last week was, it seemed pretty simple to make the team. It basically came down to, did you play Herbert at running back and then maybe pay up for cup instead of Devonte Adams? So I had Adams didn't have cup. That was, that was basically it for me. So my cash team sort of faltered a little bit last week. I'm looking to get back on it this week. Um, and quarterbacks a little, I think there's two ways to do it. There's the Derek Carr 6,000, which if you think he's, uh, you know, can get that 300 yard bonus and can hit all those deep plays he looks reasonably good. I'm a little, I just think that Eagles defense, how they play, maybe they're just able to limit him. Carr needs that 300 yards. He's not going to get 40 yards on the ground and a rushing touchdowns reasonably unlikely from him. Right. So he needs that 300. He needs two touchdowns. I, I don't know that 6,000 price tag does open some things up, but I think I'm a little bit higher in the tier between Lamar Jackson. You've got Hertz. He always gets there. And I, I think this is a reasonably decent week for him to get there maybe not the fourth quarter heroics to get there and then if you really want if you just want like five touchdowns or four passing touchdowns you just plug in Matthew Stafford and I think he's reasonably safe to not completely disappoint you with a bad performance maybe he doesn't get 35 you know points on DraftKings maybe he gets you a 22 or 23 because the game just gets so out of hand but why do the games get out of hand? Because the good players, especially a quarterback like Matt Stafford going up against Detroit, likely they got there in some way, shape, or form beforehand. So those are probably my cash plays. As it stands right now, I think L Lamar brings that safe. It didn't happen last week because all the dusty running backs were scoring touchdowns, not Lamar. But that is sort of how that 
if you think about it, that is what the, the Chargers kind of do. They let you run, and they were able to run all over them, so we didn't need to see Lamar do too much. Where this week, I think you're going to see more Lamar. He's got Bateman, right? Bateman's more acclimated to the offense. Marquise Brown, Mark Andrews. This offense is is pretty good, and they're, they're down Latavius Murray. So will the dusty running backs work against Cincinnati? Maybe not as much as they did last week. This is more of a Lamar week for me, and he's probably what I'm leaning to at the, at the moment, Ian. I think uh, I'm not really for going all the way down to car and cash. There's some things. If you look at the Eagles, like one of the reasons why they've been so great at uh, stopping big plays is because they run more zone than just about anyone. You know, we got love my company, but when we're sending out Darius Slay uh, tweets about how he's like shut down Tyree kill and stuff. I mean, he's sticking to his side of the field. So when Tyree kill went up against him for a couple routes, okay. He didn't do much, but when you move the guy into the slot and all of a sudden you can take advantage of everyone else. Cause your best cornerback refuses to move inside. You know, it's not exactly my idea of a lockdown shutdown cornerback. So with the way the Eagles play so much zone, I am worried that if Carr can't quite get those deep shots to Henry Ruggs and Hey, you know, give the Eagles credit for them really, you know, not locking up Tyree Kill in that game, but they did really limit Travis Kelsey more than we're used to seeing. If we can see those deep shots taken away to rugs and if Waller just continues to not make all that much happen out of a limited workload, yeah, it could be a little bit uh, problematic there for Carr. So I want to get up to Lamar Jackson, if at all possible. But hey, going down 500 bucks to Jalen Hurts, if you need that salary, I do think it's okay. At tight end, I think we're going cheap enough that you don't need to go up to Dallas Goddard. But man, you talk about underpriced guys and we have gotten clarity that Goddard will be full go this week, no limitations after coming off the COVID list. I mean, he's going to be arguably a top five tight end the rest of the way with Zach Ertz now out of the picture. So I think you could stack Hertz with Devontae Smith or with, da- with Dallas Goddard, or you can just go naked with the guy because there's not really any team that can apparently keep him from putting up insane rushing production. I believe, you know, since he came under center in week 14 of last season, he is like a legit top 10 producer in fantasy points purely from rushing production. Obviously Lamar is right there as well. And with Lamar, we can't stack him with uh Bateman, who's sitting there at just 3.6K at wide receiver. So I lean trying to get up to Lamar when possible because I think that the him and the Bateman stack makes a lot more sense in cash lineups. But yeah, between those two guys, I don't think you can go too wrong. Yeah, for tournaments, it looks like we both like Tom Brady, uh, specifically because the, the target tree has gotten a little narrower, which is always nice. Now he can still spread it around and you get a little bit of leverage. I think Fournette will be reasonably popular because, I mean, he is – He's looking pretty good as um, getting 20 plus touches a game right now. And against Chicago, I'm not really worried too much about him, but Brady, I think Brady's will creep up in popularity. Now that the target tree, the stacks are just going to be a lot easier to make in my opinion, because you, you don't have to spread it out so much. Um, but I do like Brady in tournaments. Um, probably like it's, it's just so tough to take the statue quarterbacks, even a Stafford. I still think he's fine in cash. But you want you you need that running floor, I think, in cash games, or more more likely to take the statue quarterbacks in tournaments, um, because if they throw for the five touchdowns, um, especially with Tom Brady, you probably know where they're where they're going to go this week. Yeah, and just with Goblin being, I think Goblin is easily the play because credit to uh, Jalen Johnson, the Bears' number one cornerback who has been shadowing some number one receivers this year, not completely shutting the guys down, but for him to go toe to toe with Odo Beckham and more recently Devontae Adams and not get you know completely roasted, I do think speaks to his ability to limit that upside. So at a minimum, going Brady with uh, Chris Goblin, I think makes a lot of sense. Also, keep talking about the Bengals. I think Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and even bringing it back with a Boyd or a T. 
Higgins uh, could also work. And don't sleep on Ryan Tannehill and A.J. Brown. I know I talked a little bit about Tanny not being all that great this year. This Chiefs defense, much like the Titans defense, can't really slow down anyone. If Derrick Henry is going to keep being a world beater, you know, that's great, but he is until he's not. And what's the best way to leverage, you know, a really highly owned running back on the slate? Go ahead and get the passing game. So hopefully A.J. Brown could just stay off that Chipotle for a few more days, <laughs> get out there and start looking like the true wide receiver one stud. That, that, that brisket's too good, Ian. I've had that a couple of times. It's, it's, <laughs> it's limited time only, but it's too good to not go to Chipotle. Uh, let's uh, actually first real quick, before I go to uh, running backs, um, if you like uh, playing some of the older Roto Grinders veterans here, a notorious, a beer makers fan, a head shopper, uh, we have the DFS OGs League on FanDuel. You can go to fanduel.com slash DFS OGs, and you'll be able to find that. Uh, you'll be able to compete against them. There's prizes if you play all season long. Um, go check that out on FanDuel if you want to play against some of uh, everybody's uh, favorite Roto Grinders hosts here. Uh, all right, let's go to running back. To me, uh, at least in cash, I'm starting, I'm, I'm hoping Matthew Stafford, doesn't eat up all my touchdowns this week because Daryl Henderson looks he's, he's underpriced on DraftKings for sure by at least a thousand dollars given his role right here. He is yet to really disappoint. He's just 6,600. He's got double digit fantasy points in every game with the lowest being 15.7 had 24 combined um, attempts and targets last week. And that was in a complete blowout. I think we can see a, a reasonably similar game here. Very hard for me to see him in cash games not be a, a staple basically across the industry this week. Yeah, I think Henderson and even and even Derrick Henry, I think just getting up to those guys is doable. So why would you not on a slate that we don't have McCaffrey? We don't you want, have Kamara. Do you like Henry? So I found I found Henry, and I think our ownership sort of bears us out right now. I think uh, I was looking at pre-show. Let me pull this up here. In front of me, we had Derrick Henry as the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eighth or ninth highest owned running back because that price is – it's really prohibitive on DraftKings, Ian, to, to get that. So my question for you is do you want Derrick Henry when I think that 6K region, and I'll maybe sort of go into some of the guys I, I like in just a second – looks so juicy at running back that I think I, I want like a Cooper cup or Devonte Adams as like my high end wide receiver more so than I need the high end running back. There's some really good six K wide receivers too. So it's really tough here. Where do you stand on that? I've been able to squeeze Henry with an Adams into the lineups. Now we need to go down to Bateman. We need to get Cole Komet, you know, the three K tight end, mm -hmm. and we need to take a sub 2.5 K defense as well. So you are making sacrifices, but I do think there are enough wide receivers kind of in that sub six K range to make it work. So there are options. I mean, even like Devonte Booker at 5.5 K, I know he didn't kill it last week for people, but his usage underlying usage was as good as we could have asked. Saquon's out again. Sterling Shepard isn't looking great to suit up. I mean, Booker should be clearing 20 touches with ease at home that you can stack with that Giants defense at just 2.5K. So he makes sense. I'm with you on Henderson. I think he absolutely needs to be in there. And hey, you know, Fournette, Jacobs, Chuba, Swift, Daryl Williams. Like, okay, there are other options in there. So it's not egregious to not go with Henry. But again, just based on my build so far, I've been able to squeeze him in with one of those top guys and been happy to do so. Tournaments are where we can get a little more funky. And I do think there's room kind of squeezed in between the more obvious guys in that five to six K range uh, to take advantage of Damian Harris. 
with that Pats defense. I don't get like the Ramondre Stevenson just kind of hype. Maybe it's all dating back to that like 90-yard touchdown he had in the preseason. But people, if the takeover was going to happen, it would have happened last week when Damian Harris was a true game-time decision coming off a back-breaking fumble. And what happened? He looked great against the Cowboys, and he was the undisputed workhorse back. He didn't get the touchdown because he got banged up a little bit right at the end of that drive. Stevenson came in and vultured it, but Harris was right back out there in overtime. So he's facing a Jets defense that has allowed the single most PPR points to opposing running backs at home, touchdown favorite. I think Harris with that Patriots defense makes a lot of sense to stack. Also have James Conner. If there is a week to play James Conner, man, why not when you're up double-digit uh, touchdowns, at, at least on the spread? So them with the zona defense special team against the Texans. Like, with Chase Edmonds right now playing through the shoulder injury, like we saw it last week, he'll still start. He'll get his reps. He'll throw him the ball a few times. But he had zero carries in the second half last week because they're just not going to run him up the middle and they don't feel like it's really worth it uh, in the grand scheme of things. So Connor has legit two touchdown upside. And we've seen him clear 15 carries with ease in three separate occasions this year. So just ideal game script, you know, like similar things why I was on JD McKissick last week. Like I understand that Connor and McKissick, they can frustrate you in a hurry if the game script doesn't go right, but man, oh man, like it sure seems like a situation where Arizona will have that fancy friendly for Connor, uh, extremely positive game script. And then finally, uh, Mike Davis, all the way down there at 5,200, I think has a real nice pivot off the likely more chalky Miles Sanders. Mike Davis is right there with Henderson and Derrick Henry and only a few other running backs that have had at least 15 touches in every single game this season. Like we were concerned in week five in that London game because Wayne Gallman was active in week four for the first time. Could Davis not be losing his early down job? That didn't happen at all. Davis continued to play well over 60% of the snaps, saw his 15 plus touches. So Cordero Patterson man is someone that if you want to go the well with him too I think makes sense but I'm more worried about CPAT's role because he's played about 80 snaps as a running back this year about 55 as a true wide receiver you bring back Ridley and maybe even more importantly you bring back Russell Gage I'm sure they'll keep getting the ball to Patterson he's playing too well not to but I still think Mike Davis is his team's starting running back and the more likely candidate to get 15 touches during any given week and you look at the Miami defense man they have not slowed down anybody on the ground this year uh, a couple of tournament plays I like. If Derrick Henry does remain as the like seventh or eighth, ninth highest owned running back, I could certainly pivot to him in tournaments. We'll have to see what that looks like on Roto Grinders, right? If you wanted to use that free five day subscription I talked about earlier in the season, if you or earlier in the show, um, check that out on Sunday morning. See, we we'll see where Derrick Henry's ownership comes in. Uh, the one that's kind of under the radar to me is Josh Jacobs. We actually have Josh Jacobs projected. More people using him than Derrick Henry. I don't know if that's going to hold true. I think Josh Jacobs might drop down a little bit, but he looks like he's getting a little bit more involved in the passing game over the past couple of weeks. You know they want, like, the yards per carry has been absolutely atrocious, but if there was ever a time, maybe, maybe against Philadelphia, um, for, for him to get going here at home, I think there's a way he ends up having – 100 yards and a touchdown and a couple of receptions and maybe that does get you there in tournaments so he's sort of my under the radar uh, tournament play uh, let's go to wide receivers uh, I guess in cash I really like how do we decide we've got well the blitz so Derek Hardy's projection system has Devontae Adams basically a half a fantasy point more than Cooper Cup this week if you're choosing between those two Ian at the top which which one is it? Like if, if you project Devontae Adams for his it's almost 40% target share he's getting, like his, his he's the guy if he actually gets that in a game. But it's like Cooper Cup, 
seems like the absolute safest ceiling floor touchdown anything you could want right now because he's just locked in now he does have what six seven touchdowns through six games that's pretty unlikely to keep going but at least for this week it seems pretty reasonable that that's going to continue yeah i just got it i still have Devonte adams ranked number one overall wide receiver of the week ahead of tyreek as well because even cup man as dominant as the target share in the touchdowns he has like robert woods is still a clear-cut number two receiver in that offense the entire packers passing game is Devontae Adams, and he just so happens to also be arguably the single best wide receiver in real life as well at this point. So last week, like he busted because he only had five targets. The last time he had only five targets in a game, I think it was like week four of 2019. I had to go back really far to find that one. So no, I think Adams, and again, even to a, to a slightly lesser extent, though, Aaron Rodgers are in a position to absolutely smash this week. So Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, like I don't think running them into the teeth of this Washington defense that is their, you know, treasure chest of first round picks across that defensive line is the smart move. So we could see one of those gaudy 15, 20 target games for Devontae Adams. So it's always risky, but with Tyreek playing banged up and with Cooper Cup in a situation where do they need to throw him the ball more than seven or eight times in this game? I got to go with Adams getting all the way up. But to go all the way up, we also got to go down. And I think that's where Rashad Bateman. At 3.4K just makes a lot of sense. Sammy Watkins has not practiced all week. It certainly seems like he'll be ruled out again. And without him, like, great. We know Bateman has the starting role. He should be seeing five-plus targets. You know, I'm not the biggest, like, Bateman stand. I know some people in the industry believe, like, he'll take over as the number one option in this passing game. I wouldn't go that far. But, again, at 3.4K, like, you look at the sub-4K options at wide receiver, he is by far the safest one. After that, if you can get all the way up to Chris Godwin at 5.9K, I think that makes the most sense but if we want to go Lamar if we want to go Henry over some of these other guys I think the next lowest wide receiver you could feasibly go with is Amon Ross St. Brown just 4.1k he's caught at least five passes each of the past three weeks he'll be seeing a lot of Jalen Ramsey in the slot which certainly isn't ideal but I mean the way they use Ramsey like he's not even really assigned to one receiver that these days he'll be moving all around the place so wouldn't necessarily rule him out just for that matchup it's not pretty that's why I'm saying if you want to kind of move the roster around if you feel better, you know, getting a DeAndre Swift instead of a Derrick Henry so you can avoid playing someone like St. Brown, I get it. But at least the two spots I'm really confident in right now in the cash lineup, Devontae Adams and Rashad Bateman. And a couple other guys. So if you're in that 6K range, uh, basically the 6,600 and below. So you got Calvin Ridley tops that out at 6,600. You, you got to expect him, especially if Miami's down. Uh, their top two cornerbacks to have himself a game coming back extra rest. It was personal reasons, no sort of injury. Uh, so you got to look for him to have a big game. Uh, I don't know how Jamar Chase is just 6,200 on DraftKings after posting big game after big game. He was 6,700 last week and he finally didn't get into the end zone or have a, a bunch of targets because they sort of blew out Detroit, but he's going to get used. And he, I, I think he's the reason why Joe Burrow is crushing it on the blitz this year because they're going to Jamar Chase and he looks you know, at least statistical wise in terms of where he's catching the ball and the touchdowns, he's like on a Randy Moss trajectory um, currently right now. It's hard to put those two in the same, but it's undoubtedly his skill set seems to be catching those deep balls. So I think at 6,200, that's certainly playable. You mentioned Chris Godwin at 5,900. Um, tougher now, I, I did like Brandon Cooks at 6,000. I think Godwin now with Antonio Brown ruled out might be a, a little bit better, but Cooks is certainly, he's the unquestioned number one, and they're going to have to pass against Arizona. 13 targets in a very similar game last week. 
that'll do it for you in a PPR setting like DraftKings. Probably maybe not a touchdown, um, but if he does get a touchdown, he's almost certainly going to, to get there for you. Um, Jacoby Myers is 5,300, the, the, that fake touchdown he scored last week. Uh, maybe, maybe that'll come through for him this week. And then I want to throw out Darnell Mooney, I think is in line for a reasonable, if you can assume rational coaching from Chicago, uh, I know they want to hide fields, but there's going to be no hiding him against Tampa Bay. You're, you're going to have to throw the ball. He's 4,600. Um, probably someone it's a, there's a, there's a quite a few choices this week, I think in cash, but I don't think as long as you're somewhere on the guys I mentioned, there's probably a couple more along with the ones you, you mentioned, um, you're, you're probably going to be in line for cash this week. Yeah. I think the Mooney point makes a lot of sense. Even Allen Robinson, man, last week, he had the single most unrealized air yards in a single week of anyone this season. It was like a 163. So he finally was starting to get the volume last week. And we would think that Fields is going to be throwing the ball more. Hopefully he can take advantage of this banged up Tampa Bay secondary, but yeah, just not quite willing to go all the way over to that ledge in cash games. Uh, some other guys I do like the Robbie Anderson at just 4.8 K kind of going under the radar like Terrence Marshall is expected not to play this week he hasn't practiced the whole time with a concussion and we still don't have McCaffrey coming back so Matt Rule can talk about wanting to establish the run more all he wants it's DJ Moore and it's Robbie Anderson so I know Robbie dropped three passes last week so did DJ Moore so Robbie still has top 10 top 11 air yards and targets since uh, over the past three weeks when this kind of squeaky wheel narrative got going to begin with so still drinking the Kool-Aid on Robbie for another week hopefully we finally get one of those big ones also Corey Davis at 5.2k he's like the perfect tournament receiver man he's either going to give you a two touchdown like top 10 week or he's going to kill your lineup and finish outside the top 50 so I think Davis hey they don't like the Patriots secondary they're okay man but this is hardly the sort of world beater group that we've been seeing in past years they just let Dak throw for the most yards ever that a Bill Belichick defense has given up and Davis freaking Mills went for 303 touchdowns two weeks before that so no I, I wouldn't put a bunch of money on the Jets you know shocking the world or anything like that but I could see Corey Davis or maybe even Michael Carter at the running back one guy in this Jets offense I think could find his way into the end zone once or twice and finally, Terry McLaurin, who's I think my yeah. shaping out to be my favorite play of the week. Again, only him, Devontae Adams, Cooper Cup, DJ Moore have at least 50 targets since week two. Jair Alexander, less Green Bay secondary. Uh, you know, Curtis Samuels throw off of Washington as well. I just think Terry, you know, if you give him this certain sample of games with eight to 10 targets, it's only a matter of time till he really booms in one of them. Um, a couple other tournament plays. I do like McLaurin, especially. Uh, he was reasonably popular last week with the, you know, the slight hamstring thing. And it seems like maybe they took it easy on him. But when a guy's popular for a week and doesn't uh, come through, we tend to forget about him. So I do like McLaurin in tournaments quite a bit. Uh, a couple of Robert Woods, right? Cup is going to be by far the most used pairing with Matthew Stafford. You can mix it around. Uh, I know you like Higby. I think you can use Robert Woods as well. And then uh, if, if Jamar Chase comes in at under 5%, uh, that is, just seems like absolute money at 6,200 yeah. based on what he's done so far this season. So those are some of my tournament wide receivers. Uh, I want to mention to you guys, if you are watching this on YouTube or you're watching this live uh, on Roto grinders and you don't subscribe to the Roto grinders daily fantasy football football feed, uh, please go check that out. You get you, this show along with all the other ones we do. You get the ownership report. There's not a lot of content on that shows up in your podcast feed on Saturdays, but the ownership report is one of the big things that Jamino does. That'll show up to you on your podcast feed. If you want to get the, the, 
final results with him and Tuttle doing a back and forth on that. Uh, subscribe to the, the the feed there and you'll get access to that. Um, that's my favorite listen to. Basically, I look at that uh, Sunday morning. As soon as I wake up, I don't watch it live. I'll plug that in and start making some of my team. So I uh, really love the show that they do. Uh, all right, let's close this out with some tight ends. Now, I think we're both on sort of the same ones for cash. You've got Cole Clement, who is going to see some targets. We finally saw an, an uptick uh, as the season sort of moved on. He's got four against the Raiders, five against the Packers, and they're just they're not going to be able to pound Herbert into the line 25 times in this game. It's just not going to work if they want to have any semblance of attempting to win this game in Chicago. So I think Komet can maybe get it done. Unlikely we see maybe a touchdown, but if he gets the end zone, he's definitely going to come through for you at 3K. I think he's fine. If you want an every snap player, Ricky Seals-Jones is definitely still too cheap at 3,700 against Green Bay in what should be a past uh, a past script because uh, we all expect Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams to be able to put up points. Those look really good. If you can squeeze out just a little bit more for cash, you got Dallas Goddard, who's should skyrocket in targets. Um, his high on the season's five. I'd probably say, uh, well, it's close to even money. He goes over that in terms of targets this week, if not being a, a little bit better. So he should see some good target volume. I just don't have the money for a Darren Waller or a Travis Kelsey, or even really a, a Mark Andrews this week, Ian, for my cash teams. Just a little bit too hard to get up. I'd much rather, you know, invest in guys like Adams or getting up a little more yeah. at the running back spot. Yeah, I think Komet at 3K is the cheapest you can go. If you really want to get gross, and I, I don't even necessarily want to recommend this, but you could if you wanted to be that guy. But the cheapest tight end you can get at 2.5K is Ryan Griffin for the Jets. With Tyler Croft likely out with his back injury, what happened uh, in that London game? We did see Griffin eclipse 90% snaps, so only had one catch for four yards. Like, he is the epitome <laughs> of a backup, like, you know, catch the ball, fall forward for an extra two yards, and that yeah. is all you're getting. Like, when we were hyping up Ricky Seals-Jones as a sub-3K tight end, that was almost an exception. The old James O'Shaughnessy week two thing, like, this is far closer to that, someone that really isn't that gifted of receiver, but, hey, the volume's going to be there. So the absolute grossest you can go is Ryan Griffin, I think, 2.5K. And GPPs, it does open up a little bit more. That's where maybe differentiate your lineup and go get up in the higher parts of the pricing scales. But there's still some good mid-range tar targets, too. Too. Again, Dallas Goddard sitting there like he is not going to be still in this, I think, a mid 4K range for much longer with Zach Ertz out of the picture. And Mike Jasicki at 4.7K. I mean, even if Devontae Parker is back, we still have Will Fuller out of the picture. I don't know why DraftKings and these sites still call Mike Jasicki a tight end. He's played 16 total snaps as a tight end this year. He's played 234 in the slot or out wide. Chris Godwin has more snaps as a run blocking inline tight end than Mike Jasicki this year. Taysom Hill is like doubled Jasicki snaps, but Hey, we're playing the game as the uh, chips lie. And if we want to call the dolphins, number two wide receiver, a tight end, you can get them at 4.7 K. Just keep an eye on that weather in Miami. I know it's supposed to be a little bit rainy and maybe even a little windy there around that 1 PM kickoff. Uh, my, one of mine might be, uh, uh, at least for tournaments this week, I'm looking at Hawkinson who sort of, you know, he's injured for what, like weeks three, four, five, sort of hobbling around, got uh, back to his, what I would expect to be a, uh, his normal target share, which is just getting peppered uh, with close to double digit targets every game in his last time out. 
and it's not going to be pretty. You're not going to want to look at it until the end of the fourth quarter. Well, that well, DeAndre Swift owns the fourth quarter. So TJ Hawkinson will have to get his in the first three quarters before they just keep dumping it off to DeAndre Swift. Um, but Hawkinson in tournaments might be a guy who's relatively low owned uh, that could get there. And I do like Darren Waller. Um, if the if they take away the Henry Ruggs and the Brian Edwards on the outside, maybe Darren Waller, maybe not the 19 targets he saw in week one, but maybe he finally gets double digit targets again. Uh, this could be one of the nice weeks. He, he would be if I was spending up in cash. I think he would probably be the one, but I just can't get there this week. Uh, I prefer the cheap tight ends, as I think uh, most people end up do on uh, DraftKings. Uh, Ian, that's going to wrap it up uh, for week seven. Uh, a fun note, if uh, I have good connection next week, I'll be coming to you live from Walt Disney World. Uh, I will be going down there to meet my wife who has a work conference. Ian, work is sending her down there for a work conference, and she go. loves Disney. Doesn't get any better than that for her. Post uh, up I'm in with- the castle. <laughs> yeah, I'll be doing it live from there. Probably not the greatest internet connection, <laughs> um, but hopefully my hotel internet on Friday holds up good enough for me to do the show. Uh, other than that, uh, Ian, it's been fun. Uh, good luck to everyone out there at Sportsbooks, at DFS, at whatever else you do out there trying to make some money uh, using anything from this show or just uh, DFS and all this in general. There's just there's so many ways to play DFS, to do sports betting, all that. It's a, it's a great time to be in this industry and just really sort of wrap your head around all the different ways there are uh, to try to make money right now. So, uh, Ian, it's been fun. We're going to get out of here. Thanks to everybody for watching. Uh, I'm Britt. He's Ian. And we out, y'all.